Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. Uh, Just a warm heart to love people uh, into the kingdom of heaven and that you've given him a blessing to be a pastor at the Gathering Place. So this morning, I pray that you would anoint his mind and his words, that you would, he would speak your heart to us, and that mm. we would hear what the Spirit would say to the gathering place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And I've, uh, I've asked Michael to come up. Can Agatha join? Yes. Uh, right before, uh, they have family and friends that live in Israel. And uh, so I asked them to lead us in the prayer about what's going on. And, and biblically, we know that Israel's going to remain <laughs> yeah. all the way till, till Jesus returns. So, so take the mic. Well, just if, for those that may be not very well aware what's going on, it, it's been a lot of attacks and kind of like a... Uh, bigger or major confrontations throughout the years in Israel since I left 2013. But that is different. That is like kind of Pearl Harbor type attack or 9-11 if you want. That's really different. It's just going to be a huge escalation. It's just the beginning. We don't know where it's going to end. We will see God is in charge and let's just pray. And and somebody just shared a video with me. Um, at, uh, th- like the main airport is shut down. I think there's still no flights. And there's a lot of a lot of tourist Christians just gathered in circles and they all pray for Israel right at the airport. Mm-hmm. It's like massive uh, prayer it's just right there. So um, God is in charge and he will, um, he's the defender. So let's pray together. Uh, and you can join me like out loud however you want to do it. Lord, thank you for Israel and thank you for what's going on there because I know you're in charge and you're in control and you give people wisdom and government will have wisdom how to manage this conflict. We pray for people, for, for, for all the families that got wounded, killed, and, for, and, and, and we just pray that they will, they will be provided everything they need and you will be in the midst of it and they will see you. We pray Holy Spirit over over Israel, and we pray that that will change the nation for good, no matter what happens, you care of the eternal souls, we we put them into your hands, pray for them, bless them, we also, Lord, pray for the enemies, as we should, we pray for them, and we pray that your justice will be done, and that you will also reveal the truth to them, and, and we just pray for this whole region, for all the enemies that surround Israel, and we pray for all the leaders and for everybody, because you're in charge of them. They will all bow, bow down to you. Or every knee will bow. So there's there's no exception, Lord, and we're waiting for your time, for your return, and we pray for this specific conflict, that you will be in the midst of it with everyone with our families and my family and friends and soldiers, military, police, everybody that is actively fighting. Um, Just be there, Lord, and we trust you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, And I I really appreciate when we walked in, Fine was singing that song that uh, was the battle is the Lord's. And it was so comforting to hear because it's a good reminder that 
this big battle, it's really ultimately God's in control. It, the battle is the Lord's. It's a spiritual warfare, and the battle is the Lord's. So it's in his hands. So that was really comforting and really on point. So I, yeah, that's a good reminder as we pray. And uh, sometimes I don't know, I kind of know, but I don't know completely why I do what I do. But, but uh, uh, last time I was here, I did something different. And Holy Spirit says, do it again. And I want everybody to stand. Because, you know, why are we all here present? It's because of one person. His name is Jesus. And, and I think God is taking our church and 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 leading us in the, how do we respond to this God that is so in love with us and so mighty and so powerful? And last time I preached, I had us do something I'd never done before, but Holy Spirit, do it again. I'm going to lead you in there's something about that name, and we're all going to worship him. You can put your hands up. You can do whatever you want, move your bodies or whatever else. But we're here, before we hear the word of God, we're going to acknowledge who he is. So follow along with me. Jesus, 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 there is something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like fragrant after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. King and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Again, king and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. It's the only name that's going to last. Nations will come, nations will go. Nations will rise up, nations will fall. But there's something about that name. That's why we're here, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. You may be seated. <clears throat> James chapter 2. Let's read the first few verses. And Holy Spirit, take and we submit to your presence here to take your word to make it reality. Dear brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring, fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. So, if you... Sh if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, 
but say to the poor man, you stand here or there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This may not be 100% true of the modern church. And I would say it's not true of this church. But what, what is happening in the church that would relate to this? I'll tell you what's happening. I, I've had every church I've ever joined and become part of after I gave my life to Jesus, God sort of pushed me in the places of leadership. And, and, and first it was a deacon, then it was an elder in, in different churches. But something, an observation, an observation that I made in taking these positions, that some of them were filled by popularity, not spiritual gifts. Is that discrimination? Is that discrimination against the Holy Spirit? Is that discrimination about the heart of God for the church? Well, a lot of things happen in this experience of mine. And, 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 I, and there, there's a voice, I'm going to eat my words later, but, but, it's a, but in experiencing this and and, and these are fine men and everything else. But where I, I could almost say, wow, some are here for wrong motives because they might have been the most popular in the church, but not very spiritually discerning. And then, then what really happened was that really shocked me. Actually, I could get shocked. And I, and, and I was so blown away by this. They said, we are going to have a men's retreat, very, unlikely, very unlike our retreats at the farm. And all, all these men came together to find and seek God for the direction of that local church. Well, you know, some of you already know I'm not a night person. Man... If you, you want to see me in a bad way, try to keep me up to midnight and start talking to me, and I might not be the same Byron that you because I get irritated, I'm tired, and I and so <clears throat> I went, I said, guys, okay, I I I'm gonna be fresh tomorrow morning for seeking God's will. I wanna I'm just gonna check out and go to sleep. I woke up early the next morning only to find cigar, beer cans, hard alcohol, spewed all over the room where we were meeting. Were these men spiritual, or they had some carnality? Were these people seeking God, or were they dominated by the flesh? Well, when they finally woke up after I woke up, I chose to, to remain silent. 
and just see how the weekend progressed. Again, back and again, you know, he, it's not so much James talking about rich and poor. It's talking about a church identifying people that should be in leadership or not in leadership. People should be encouraged, lifted up, and helped. But these group of men were, I, I just couldn't believe it. So I went home, told my wife about this was quite the experience. But I think Holy Spirit just wants me to be silent for the moment. A whole year took place. A whole year passed. Another retreat. God says, now's your time to speak. So they said, we're having a retreat. We're going so-and-so up to Wisconsin. And, all. and I told all these men I was serving with, I'm not coming. Oh, why aren't you coming? Because I witnessed something on the last retreat that's not seeking God, but seeking after the flesh. Oh, oh, we're so sorry you felt that way. Well, you know what, guys? Uh, you, in fact, I'm thinking about leaving this church, and 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 and, but I'm I'm just not going to be part of. It. Oh no, oh no! Thank you so much. You are so convicted of us. Oh, we want you there. We want you there. So they convinced me. Actually, I wasn't staying alone because I had a, a, a friend, Roger, that stood with me, and both of us said we weren't going to go. So we went the next year. Same thing. Church leaders getting drunk trying to ask God for direction. Not good. Not good. So finally, I told Nancy, I said, that's it, we're done, we're moving on. So I announced it to the pastor. And then, you know, it went all the way up to upper leadership. So the pastor said, we can't have you leave. We can't have you leave. For I don't know why they want me there. I was like a thorn on the side. But they want, oh no, we want you, we want you. So they, they asked me to join a meeting to try to talk me into staying. And I, in the meeting I said, I, I, I'm not. I, I pray for you guys. I hope, hope God will really grab a hold of your hearts. And the last thing I remember from that meeting was the pastor cussed and sweared over me. Church. Church. And I don't think that was isolated throughout the country in churches around the land. We, as a body of Christ, I am so privileged to share with the leadership of this church. They are truly godly men and godly women. We surely, we as a church have done a pretty good job of picking people that are hungry for who God is. And not just a church or what seems to become a business. Whew. Yes. It might not be 
shunning the poor and elevating the rich. But I think, I really think there's some really deeper issues in the modern church that go way beyond who's rich and popular and who's poor and lowly. And, and I hope you can all come together with me and thank God for TGP. Because we are after Jesus. Just like we sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is something so amazing about your name. Then he goes on to say, listen, my brothers and sisters, have not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom of, he promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. And they, not, they are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him in whom they belong? And does that exist in the church today? I hope not too much, but I think maybe more than I think. And, and I don't know about you, I can't wait for Sundays because I'm here to meet with Jesus and fellow believers and, and get encouraged by them and lifted up by them and, and blessing them and, and, and doing life with them. Just like Jonathan, he, he, uh, it's not so much that he couldn't hire somebody to clean his yard. He so wants the men to get together and do something together. So then it goes on to say, uh, if you really keep loyal law, keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to get more in that, but that's key. That, that's key to us as Christians living in a dying world to think of others more than yourself. <clears throat> That's why they call it the golden rule. But I mean, it's a, that's core to staying on the right track. You are doing right, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For if you say, I shall not commit adultery, also say, you shall not murder. If you, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. And in essence, they're saying, all of us failed. And I, and I, I gave a definition, I, I feel the Lord gave me, of, of judging others. My definition for judging others is that I think I'm better than them. And you'll never, never bring healing to a person with that attitude. I've got it together, and I'm here to help you get it together. Because I am okay, and you are not. That's not the way to get people out of the, out of the prisons that they're in. Then in verse 12... Speak and act as those who 
are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will, sh will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. <clears throat> and and we're, I'm going to get I'm going to end the sermon with this verse, so I'm not going to talk much about it. But I'm not I'm not sure I've really got a full concept of what mercy is. And and Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, "Blessed are the merciful, for then they'll receive mercy." And we'll get a little bit of that into that at the at the end of the sermon. But going on, what good is it, brothers and sister, if someone claims to have faith and has no deeds? Can that such a faith have? Uh, can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you who you say to them, "Go in peace, keep warm, get well," but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. And uh, Todd mentioned last week about how uh, Martin Luther wished James wasn't even there because he thought it kind of was too much on works and not much on grace. And but I th but I think in deeply looking at that that those verses right there, you would you would say. I would say, if you're really born again, if you really commit your life to Jesus, and for me, I, w I was a really, I really knew how much of a sinner I was. And God, and I wept over my life. And I bowed down and gave my life to Jesus. And, and Jesus one time said, who has much forgiven will love much. And and I and I think to one degree or another, if we if we have and we've come to know Jesus, that the deeds will follow that that relationship. And and they're both kind of like the both sides of the coin working together. That I I've I've have faith, I came to know Jesus, and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to transform my life and change my life. It's not the one or other. It's the both naturally coming together to those seeking Jesus Christ and the fullness of who he is. But someone will, someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good, even demons believe that and shudder. And I and I I pray and I, I believe I, you know I know you guys and I and and that's why that's why we have a kind of a ministry here to, to help encourage believers increase their faith and and but you know it's a sad thing what happened if you oh man I have faith in God I have faith in God and you even become part of a church. Oh, I, oh man, I have faith. I, I believe God, but never allowed him to take presence in your life. 
what a sad thing. What a sad thing. And the kind of stark contrast, James says, yeah, the devils believe. The devils even believe. Belief in God needs to take you to the place of receiving his sacrifice. It's not about life uh, like trying to force you into some kind of appearance of godly mold, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit and Jesus that come into your life and cooperate with him for life transformation. <clears throat> you foolish person, do you want evidence what faith indeed without deeds is unless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. The scriptures was fulfilled, saying Abraham believed God, and it was credit to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And, and, I, and I, would, I, would say, I would say it's faith produces it. Right? What James left out here is the part of the account of what about Abraham and Isaac. And, and there's more to unfold than just his obedience to take a knife and be willing to sacrifice his son. In that, in that account, there's a journey that I need to take note of, and hopefully you'll take note of, of what kind of person was Abraham? What kind of person... He got this message from God that said, I, I want you to obey me. I want you to take your son. I want you to take to a mountain I will show you, and I want you to sacrifice him to him. But what happened between that there and the mountain is very important to take note of. So he packed up. He had two servants with him. Isaac was with him, loaded up the wood, and off looking for that mountain that God said, I'll reveal it to you. I'll show you that mountain. On the way, on the way it was revealed to him. Abraham, there's where you're going to do it. That's the mountain. So he looked at his two companions that went with him. Very important. Very important what he said to those two companions. He, what he said, we will come back to you. You get it? We, me and Isaac, I know, I know my orders from the headquarters, but he told them, we are coming back. We'll come back and meet you where I left you. You know what? 
that that is that could that's just a beautiful beautiful example of what it means to follow God and believe and have faith in him that's where I do maybe you do we get messed up with our words we get messed up with our words uh, uh, we, we may have words like this is never going to happen I don't know why God is delaying what's the trouble with God what's wrong with things uh, uh, you know what I'm kind of mad at God because he's not coming through to me he's not coming for me but Abraham knowing what his what he was destined to do, told the two servants, we are coming back. I wonder about us. When you're in a trial, in a tough spot, do you really believe God's going to take you through it? Do you, do, are you watching your words? Are you careful to listen to what you say? Are they in agreement with the God that you love and know? Or do they have a slight disagreement with what you know about your God and who you're following? He's able. He's able. Then something else happened. Something else happened in that story that kind of tracks off of we will come back to you. They're up there getting things ready. Little Isaac is saying, hey pops, where's the sacrifice? You know, what's, what's happening here? Uh, we didn't bring a goat. We didn't bring a lamb. We didn't bring any. What's going on, pops? You know, what came out of Abraham's mouth? Even moments before he was going to follow through what he felt God was telling him. God himself will provide the lamb. I guess when we're, we're in that place, when you and I are in that place in life, where, where it, we're in those impossible situations, can you go before his throne of grace and mercy and truth and say, God I'm not going to be rattled. I believe you're going to provide. I absolutely, with no doubt, it doesn't look like it, but I don't care what it looks like. I believe you will be my provider and my helper. Are we there? Are we there? Are we there? <clears throat> That's what James kind of left out in his little scenario about Abraham. That Abraham, all the way to the point of doing what he felt God wanted to do, believed God's salvation. Faith welled up to him willing to take an action that God never intended him to do but it said God tested and wanted to know where he was at. Yes, faith is very important. And it's also very important 
for us to follow through with what God tells us to do. They work together. They work together. In the same way, <clears throat> was, not, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As a body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without deeds dead. And, and, uh, and the, the, here pops up another illustration of uh, we don't uh, we need to have eyes to see the potential in people that that may not in all the vision be there. Who who would who would choose a a prostitute to do a mighty work and save the spies that were in the town? Who would imagine that had to be somebody else? Had to be somebody else. It couldn't be her. It couldn't be her. But it was her. And in 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 a body at the gathering place, you know, uh, what we can't cast judgment on each other about what your potential is. You know, I uh, that that God may call you forth to do a mighty thing, and you might not be as, we're a small church, but I'll use the term anyhow, that's a big church, you may not be as well known, but God is working in your heart. You're willing, you're willing to do what he says, even if it costs you dearly, which Rahab did. She could have been executed for that, but she did it anyway. And of course, if you read the rest of the story, she was welcome into the tribe of Israel. Now, in conclusion, let's go back to verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that was, gives freedom. What law gives freedom? Grace. What law gives freedom? The law of grace. That's why we're here. That's who we identify ourselves with. We identify ourselves with Jesus, who died and gave everything for us. And I refer to, I, I, man, I, I just lived such a sinful life. And God came in and saved me. And show me his grace and love. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. All right. Mercy is a huge word. And, and it's really hard, really hard to really pull out the whole definition of it. But let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Um, <clears throat> uh, you, let's say we go to a restaurant. And 
and the server was the worst server you ever had. And in fact, she got the orders wrong. She messed up in every point. Then she spilled the coffee on you. And then, and then, and then, I mean, it was really a messy experience at the restaurant. And you're with your friends. And you start talking. That's the worst server I ever met in my life. This restaurant should be shut down. This is the worst food. And they were so late. They served my food cold. And the conversation goes on. That conversation lacks mercy. I hope you're getting this. It lacks mercy. And how often do we as believers lack mercy? All right, another scenario. <clears throat> Say a friend really disappointed you, really hurt your feelings. And 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 you you're saying, you know. You have to start having conversations with yourself. I, I don't know why I have this as a friend. And then you may get another friend that knows that friend and start talking about that friend and saying, you know, they really hurt me. They did this. You know, I, man, I can't have a relationship with them anymore. I'm shutting it off. That's not mercy. You made a judgment. You made a judgment. You made a decision in your life. But it's not mercy. It's not mercy. What I'm trying to say, God is trying to call up a people, call up a group of people that will learn how to master mercy. Why is it important? Because Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And don't we all want to receive mercy from God and really get not what we deserve? Mercy, mercy is something that we should be crying for as believers. Mercy shuts down opportunities. Opportunities that God gave us, and we could never fulfill because we shut it down. We said, I won't forgive that person. I'll cut off relationship with that person. I'll have nothing to do with them because my heart was broken and hurt. That's not mercy. Mercy is taking it, and I love it because I knew I was going to talk about this, and we had a demonstration, or a little demonstration, already this morning of mercy. Maybe you didn't catch it. I caught it, but I knew I was going to talk about the subject. You know when Michael came up here, and he prayed for his family and Israel and everything else? Did you catch that he prayed for Hamas and those people doing that? Michael was practicing mercy. It would be very good for us 
to say, Lord, increase that in my life. Help me to see your heart because your judgment of me is packaged in mercy. God looks at me and says, I know where you blew it, but I remain steadfast to love you. Opens up opportunities. Now, to really get, to really get right, uh, we went to Branson, and, uh, and we had a great time with our grandkids, and, and, uh, and uh, I hung on to my wallet because there, boy, there's all kinds of stuff you can spend money around there. But, but uh, we hung around the resort, had swimming pools and everything else. That, that was fine. We didn't have to go on all the buzz rides and all that. And man, the price has gone up. It's like one little ride costs you eighty dollars per person. You know, and say, yikes! When you're talking about seven people, that can get a little bit of money. So we had a great time. But we went to a restaurant. We went to a restaurant, and uh, Nancy. I want to know. So Nancy loves me so much, so much. She guards what I eat. And uh, and 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 so. I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm ready to order, man, and the and I start ordering. I I won't tell you what I was ordering, but she said, "You can't eat that. What are you doing? You can't. You don't you? You know you're you're diabetic now and or like type two and 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 you're trying to go. You know what? Wait a minute. You're having this carbohydrate, that carbohydrate, that only and." And then the server, the server, no, 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 the server said to her, uh, you're kind of controlling. <laughs> and she left, and Nancy wasn't so merciful. <laughs> and yet, yet already I knew I was going to talk about mercy. And I, and. And so I began talking to Nancy. I said, Nancy, you know what? Uh, how do you, probably her, only her personality. Why, don't get so offended by that. Because maybe, maybe that's the kind of personality she has. She didn't mean anything bad about it. Don't, don't take it that way. We're here, we're here to love people and, and, and have a good time and everything else. Don't let her words ruin your meal. Now, I tell you, I, honestly, when I talk about you guys about mercy, I mean, that, that needs to call, be called to attention at, in moments of time. Like a server saying something that hurt her feelings. And, and practicing mercy will restrain you from taking it negatively upon yourself. You follow that? Now, something strange happened. We had the meal. Nancy calmed down. She does. She's amazing. She's an amazing woman. I love spending life with her because uh, she'll have that moment. I'll have my moments. And we minister to each other. And she wound up really enjoying the meal. So what happened now? The time to pay the bill and server comes up to, wouldn't you know it? 
of all times, a witness before my wife and everybody at the table, Holy Spirit gives me a prophetic word for the server. So I said, ma'am, hold on. I have a word for you. I won't say what it was, but, but she had tears in her eyes. And she said, she said, uh, you have no idea how meaningful that is to me. The lack of mercy, the lack of mercy, and holding on to that lack of mercy would normally never bring you an opportunity to speak life into somebody. So is there people in your life, is there people in my life that I've shut out because all I'm thinking about me instead of him. All I'm thinking about is myself and how I'm hurt, how I'm wounded. And could it be that we are withholding an opportunity to bring, to walk somebody into freedom. Mercy is a small word. I beg you to study that word. Find out it's the key to God's heart. And it's the key, it's key to keeping you free and me free. And it's key to the expansion of the gospel. Because we'll have God on our team. Because he said, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And believe, believe me, believe me, you want God's mercy on your life 24-7. You want to be positioned to do his kingdom work 24-7. You and I need his mercy continually being manifested in our life. It will save us from a lot of heartbreak. A lot of heartbreak. Father, I thank you, Lord. Uh, fine. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we could sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about the name. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. He's the whole reason we're meeting together. He, he is everything to our lives. And, and Father God, help us as a body of believers to cooperate with his Holy Spirit to be men and women that practice mercy. In Jesus' name. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. 
Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.